Hi everyone, this is the Business Bootup edition of the Dreamers and Doers podcast. I'm Arya and I'm joined by my co-host Sam. It's great to be here today. Hi Arya, each week we'll come to you live from the from the Lovers campus where you'll hear interviews from our youngest and experienced entrepreneurs who will inspire, educate, and give you an action step to help your leadership and business. The Biz Bootup podcast partners with the Norman Chamber of Commerce who advocates to see Norman, Oklahoma be a thriving business community. And Biz Bootup is powered by First United Bank, Norman. First United is not your typical bank. Their purpose is to inspire and empower others to spend life wisely. Thank you, Norman Chamber of Commerce and First United Bank, for helping to see our youngest entrepreneurs achieve their business dreams. Now, let's get into our interview. Today, we're joined by dreamer and doer, Brent Wheelbarker. Brent has been involved in in student entrepreneurships ever since Rich began began in 2018, a student tech startup run by middle school and high school students. He himself is an entrepreneur as he is a founder and CEO of Trifecta Communications, a media-slash-technology company specializing in advertising, production, and emerging technology. Trifecta started in the room right next to Brent's garage and has since grown to serve government, nonprofit, and business clients in Oklahoma and internationally. Brent's also the co-founder of Verabus VR Labs, along with Bob Eskew and and Tony Williams, a tech startup developing virtual reality therapy tools for children with cerebral palsy. He currently serves as the Director of Youth Entrepreneurship at Loverx Leadership and is working hard to expand the early youth entrepreneurship program across the state of Oklahoma. So, hello, Mr. Brand. Thank you for joining us today. Thank we- you for having me. <laughs> this is quite an honor. So, we are the Dreamers and Doers podcast, and we'd like to know, do you consider yourself a more natural dreamer or doer? <sighs> Okay, this is a deep question. So definitely a dreamer. But um, I'm going to preface that with, but to get, to get things out into the world, you also have to be a doer too. But I think I would probably veer more to the dreamer side, but with just enough doer to get stuff done. But dreamer is probably where the needle points the most, I think, maybe. If that makes sense. So what was life like for you growing up and like up until college, I would say? Up until college. So this yeah. is a lot of time to cover yeah. then. Um, you know, it was actually, I, I tend to think it was a lot of fun. You know, it was it was great. Um, my parents were very supportive of me doing lots of different and odd sort of things sometimes that uh, allowed me to experiment with the world and, and how things worked. I loved to make movies when I was a kid. And so this was back in the day before we had iPads and all kinds of things. <laughs> we had VCRs and VHS tape recorders, right? And so you would go out and shoot a movie with a VHS, and I'm like 13, you know, or something, with a VHS recorder, and then you had two VCRs stacked on top of each other, and that's how you edited. Like, you would play the first one and record on the second one just long enough to get the shot you wanted, then you would stop them both, and then you would fast forward the first one to the next scene you wanted, and then start recording it, you know, and this is how you put the movie together, and so it was rough. But we made some really great movies back when I was a kid. And so running the gamut from that to, you know, I love to do the science fair. When I was a kid, I made a superconductor uh, for a science fair project one year and a hovercraft one year, I think. Um, I was a fanatical uh, G.I. Joe action figure collector. And so my brother and I had all of them. 
like all of them. The, the, the G.I. Joe line through the 80s, right? We had all the vehicles, wow. all the men, all the play sets. And funny note, years later when I was an adult, uh, our collection ended up in the Toy and Action Figure Museum in Paul's Valley. They had a whole, for like uh, two years, they had a whole special area for our G.I. Joe collection. So it comes around sometimes. But uh, just a lot of neat experiences. I went to the Soviet Union uh, when I was in high school uh, before the fall of communism and got to see what that kind of world was like. It was the year before the Soviet Union fell. And so um, kind of got to see behind the Iron Curtain as a student delegate from the United States. So just, I think the, the theme was I was just trying all kinds of stuff because I really didn't know, you know, exactly where I was headed. And so I just kind of did a lot of different things. That sounds really, really interesting. And kind of adding on to that, was your first dream job anything that, was it related to anything you're doing now or what your dreams were back then? Nothing related to what I'm doing now. So here's the thing. Up until my senior year in high school, I wanted to be an astronaut. Like, that was it. That's what I was going to do. I had the illustrated guide to how to fly the space shuttle. I mean, I had a, I mean, that was my whole, I went to space camp when I was a kid, like in Huntsville, Alabama. They had the, the space camp, you know, that you go to and learn how to be an astronaut and all this. I was all about it until my senior year in high school. And along, I should say, along the way, I had some teachers that were like, you know, Brent, you're pretty good at writing and speaking in public and things like that, but you're straight C's in, in math. <laughs> and so in my senior year in high school, I had to take a AP calculus. And after that class, I decided no trip to space is worth this. <laughs> and so um, I changed my major when I get to college to broadcast journalism. And then later that morphed into marketing and, and those sort of things. But uh, I, I still want to go to space someday. And so maybe, maybe who knows, maybe Elon Musk will send me up on some, one of his little outings or, or Richard Branson or one of those guys will get it all perfected and I can save up some money, a lot of money, and, and take a trip to space. But, um, yeah. Well, starting a business probably is not an easy task. Can you tell us about your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah. Uh, so my entrepreneurship, I didn't start off immediately as an entrepreneur. I went to college. I got a job as a TV reporter in a small market TV station, um, very small market. Did that for a couple of years, went out to LA for a couple of years did, and worked in uh, public relations. And along the way, uh, I just identified a, a need, you know, that was, there was a need for, I'm not going to go into all the details of what it was, but the starting the company trifecta, um, after having been in the working world for a couple of years and recognizing I had a skill set with video production because I'd been a TV reporter, I knew how to write because of my marketing background, and saw that there was a need for uh, a certain type of video product that I didn't notice in the market and a, a certain consumer for that product. And so that's how Trifecta started, was just saw a need that could be filled in a unique way and then put that product on the market and the, the kind of clientele, which at that time were municipalities, we were going to make video production for cities, and they went along with it. And so we signed up a bunch of cities and got started and started making videos. And that's how Trifecta started. And then we added in the more monthly, and then the marketing side, and then the technology side. And it all just sort of grew from the same concept. There's a need, we can fill that need. And so, you know, thinking about how to fill that need better than anybody else was filling it and in a more unique way than anyone else was and with higher level of quality and care than anyone else was providing. And then just kind of piecemeal grew from there. But you're right, it's very difficult. And sometimes you have to realize that when you first start, you're not going to make a lot of money. You may lose money. You may spend money on things that 
initially don't make you money, but as long as you have that glide path and that understanding of where it's taking you and, and that you believe through your research that you can get to a place where it's going to make you money, patience becomes a good friend that you, you got to get comfy with for a little bit to get there. But yeah. yeah, that was a great answer. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. And a lot of our listeners are students who are either just starting their business or they have an idea to do something. So what do you feel are a few important things to know when starting something new? So there's a big thing. Um, and this is a hard pill to swallow, but you're probably not, it's probably not going to work the way you expect it to when you start new. It's just not. Uh, it's, it's maybe not going to work at all. Um, and that's okay. And a lot of people think it's really, it was a disaster. It didn't work. I'm going to go back and, and never do this again, you know, and go back to the regular job working for somebody else or what have you. But entrepreneurialism is really a series of, of, um, educated mistakes. You know, you, you, you do something, you mess up, you learn from that, you tweak it, you try again you, you, in a different way. You, you, and maybe you don't mess up entirely, but you mess up enough that you've, you didn't quite get it the way you wanted it to be. And then you tweak it and then try it again. And you just keep that process going over and over and over again. And before you know it, you look back and you're like, oh, all those mess ups equaled one giant success. <laughs> you know, it's in your mind, you're like, I just keep messing up all the time. But then you look back at it and you're like, Actually, every single thing that messed up actually was a stepping stone to this really successful venture that is now underway. And so that's hard for young entrepreneurs that they assume if I haven't been successful right out of the gate, if what I tried from day one didn't work, then I'm not cut out for this or it's not ever going to work or what have you. And just recognizing that mistakes are part of the process. Now, they need to be educated mistakes. If you bet the farm on it and it didn't work and the farm's gone, well, now what are you going to do? You know, you got to you know, you file bankruptcy or something. You don't want to do that. But as long as they're educated mistakes and they're manageable mistakes, then they are absolutely okay. And as long as you can use those as stepping stones to the ultimate success, then, then uh, mistakes are, are part of the game. It's part of learning through it. So in addition to the work you do to serve our community, can you tell us about Loveworks and how you serve them, and why is it even important to give back to, to the community? Let me start with Loveworks then. And we'll I guess. To, okay, so uh, my role with Loveworks is youth entrepreneurialism, and that really started from working with uh, the Wristworld team. So Wristworld is the augmented reality uh, slap bands, and that was really neat to work with students. It in and it of itself was a gigantic experiment. We had no idea what was going to happen when we put a bunch of middle school students in with a bunch of technology and asked them to create a product, you know, and they did. They, they created a really cool product, and it's, it's become quite successful and growing and lots of new opportunities. And so along the way of seeing what could happen if you engage kids in that way, you know, every single kid on the Wristworld team was a middle school student when they started that, that team. Many of them are, most of them are in high school now. Um, but just seeing that, that if you give kids the platform and the empowerment to do cool stuff, they can do cool stuff. And, and sometimes they'll do way cooler stuff than any adult thought they were going to do. You know, I had no idea Wristworld was going to go in the directions that it has. Um, and so I really got excited about that. And I thought, man, what if more kids could do what Wristworld did? What if more kids could do really innovative endeavors and what if we could create this support system a platform to let them do that what would that be like what would happen how would it affect uh our business community and our education system and even our state and so talking to the folks at loveworks and thinking about 
you know, how can we implement something like that? That's really what led to the role I now have at LoveWorks in, in doing that. Um, and and it, relating to volunteerism, all of that started because of volunteerism. You know, Michael Hirsch, the director of LoveWorks, said, hey, would you come do a camp and talk about AR, you know, with some kids and show them how it works? And that happened a couple camps. And then one thing led to another to another, and now I have a whole different career than <laughs> I did before, in a way. In some ways, it's similar. but um, And so being willing to get out there and, and help in different ways beyond just the bottom line of making money is important, I think. And it's not just important because, you know, you're helping the community, but it's also just broadening your horizons and giving you more opportunity to see more things and experience more things as you're out volunteering and helping in the community. There are a number of uh, other nonprofit groups that I work with, and many of those have connected me with people that have become important and other business ventures that I've done down the line or different opportunities to connect one person with a nonprofit with a different nonprofit to leverage both of them in some way. And so it's just good to get out there and do stuff, and, it, and it's good to give back to. So, and, and sometimes those things can be mutually beneficial to each other. Yeah, I agree. So what is one dream that you're working on right now? Okay. So this is a top secret project. Okay. All right, but I'll, I'll share it with you guys and okay. anybody watching. <laughs> so I have been writing a book. It is, a, it is sort of an adventure book. Um, but my intention is that this is going to be a book with an interesting twist and that it's going to be an augmented reality book, right? And so when you read this book, it, it's kind of a story of this treasure that's been hidden away and it's tied to history and all these things that have happened through history that have led to where this treasure is today. And as you read the book, you can use your phone to scan certain things that might give you clues to an actual treasure hunt that you could go on. But the way you activate it, and this is my favorite part, you're going to read this book, and you won't know that's exactly how this is going to go until the end. And at the very end, it's going to say something like, you know, you should really scan the cover of the book at midnight. <laughs> if you'll scan it at midnight, you might learn something. And you have to literally wait until midnight to scan the cover of the book. And if you scan it any other time, nothing happens. But if you scan it at midnight, you're going to discover there's an entire treasure hunt um, that you can do by scanning other pages in the book. And so, anyway, that's my big idea right now. I'm working on that. We'll see what happens. But I'm still writing the book. So the AR part hasn't even started yet. But that's ultimately what I'd love to do with it someday. Well, i got to pick that up. I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully other people will be too. So does one life lesson that someone in middle school or high school told you when you were younger? A life lesson. You know, I think um, middle school, well, let me, let me answer it a little differently. Um, so I'm the yeah. Youth Entrepreneurialism Director, yeah. right? I, that's my role here. So I would love to share my first experience with entrepreneurialism because it does relate to a teacher that sort of got my mind thinking in this way. So it was my science teacher in the sixth grade. And uh, me and a couple guys, we sat at this one table and we would finish our assignments usually before the hour was over. And so we would work on this comic book called Stick Force. Because none of us could draw real well, so we drew stick figures, but they were like these little G.I. Joe Army guys, and they had their missions that they went on, and different things would happen. And so we would draw this stuff out, and the science teacher, he would kind of see us doing that, and he's like, you know, guys, you could make that into a little comic book and sell it. You know, maybe people would buy it. And we're like, oh, that's a good idea. So we wrote our, we made it into an actual comic book, and then he took our, our master copy down to the teacher's lounge. And he Xeroxed it. And this is an old school Xerox machine, like not the 
Xerox printer you have today. It's like this crank thing that you put it through. But anyway, he would make copies of this thing. We'd staple it together, and at recess, we'd go out and sell it for ten cents in the, on the playground. And we would we'd make like fifty of them, and we'd sell out every time. Like everybody wanted stick force, right? And I don't even know why they wanted it. I don't know because it wasn't that good, but you know, the stick figures. But it didn't matter. Everybody wanted it, and so we were like, "Man, we got this thing. We got stick force. Everybody knows about stick force in middle school. Like when we go out on the playground, they're like, "Hey, do you have the next edition of stick force yet? You know, is it ready?" And we're like, "No, we're still working on it." And then the principal found out that that uh, the science teacher was using the copy machine in the teacher's lounge to make the copies. And he said, you cannot use the teacher's lounge copy machine to make these copy books for these kids. And so our supply chain was cut. And we no longer had a supplier. (laughs) And so it all ended. But through that experience, uh, that teacher gave uh, gave me uh, a first taste of entrepreneurialism and how cool it is to create something for which there is a demand for and that you made. And there's, it's a really wonderful feeling, even at a young age, to make something that other people want. And they ask for it. And they want, they want you to make more of it, you know. And so when you've tasted that for the first time as a young person, it can be very powerful. And so that has stuck with me all the way from sixth grade to where I am today. I really think that kind of thing seeded this whole idea for entrepreneurialism as it affected me in my life moving forward, mm-hmm. um, which kind of ties back to why I'm doing what I'm doing now, because I think that we're going to take that and put it on steroids with lots and lots of kids. But um, it's really powerful at a young age. And, and I will just say that things you experience at a young age are amplified. So having an entrepreneurial experience where you make this silly comic book, we take it on the playground, sell it for 10 cents. We didn't make a ton of money. But it was just the experience of, of people asking us for a product that we were making. Um, it kind of sticks with you. And it feels sometimes bigger than it is when you're younger. And so trying to create those experiences for young people today can be very powerful. And who knows where it will lead them, you know, in the future. That's a really inspiring story. And for our last question, do you have a tip of any kind that you want to share with our listeners? Absolutely. So here's my biggest tip. You ready for this? Yeah. You're going to get, this is, this is like a <laughs> million dollar tip, right? Okay. Um, do lots of things. That's my tip. Try lots of things. Experience lots of things. Don't be afraid to do something you've never done before. Um, even if it's not like you're, I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut all through, but I still went to the Soviet Union, you know, which had nothing to do with being an astronaut. Um, I, you know, I, I did all sorts of things, not subconsciously just thinking they all sound interesting. Um, I, I think about uh, Walt Disney. And, and Walt Disney, if you really think about it, he was an animator. That was his job. He made movies, right? But he also created theme parks. He built some of the first uh, complex robots, you know, for animatronics that you see in rides. Um, he developed novel forms of transportation that he implemented in his parks. He worked with NASA uh, on the space program to help promote uh, the space. I mean, he did all. He was like this Renaissance guy. He was just doing all these things and experimenting and, and learning and, and, and encountering all kinds of different stuff. And if you can start doing that when you're young, you begin to develop this sort of eyes wide open mentality about the world, where there's so many things to see and so many things to explore and learn, and just go out and try lots of stuff and see lots of things and and try to soak up as much as you can. And some of that stuff will eventually stick. 
you know, and as you get older, you'll be like, I've seen a lot of things, but I really like those two things, you know, and I know I can feel confident about those things because I've seen a lot of things and I've, I've learned a lot of things and not just the stuff in school, but I've taken opportunities to go out and just try stuff. Um, so that would be my biggest piece of advice is don't, don't stay in your box, you know, get out of your box and go try stuff that's different. Um, if it's not your first rodeo, then go find something that is your first rodeo, you know, and try it because that's where you're going to learn and grow. And, and I think the sooner a, a, a young person can figure that out, the better. That was a great answer. And Mr. Brent, thank you so much for your time. I know that we and those that listen to this will be a lot better for it. So where can our listeners learn more about you and connect with you? Well, they can come to LoveWorks, and I'm here most of the time. Uh, so loveworksleadership.org, obviously, is is we're, we're involved with now. But also uh, my company, which is still functioning just fine without me, um, Trifecta Communications, and that's trifectacom, C-O-M-M dot net. So if you just trifectacom.net. And that shows a lot of the kind of projects that we've done over the years and, and the kind of work that we do. Um, and then there's wristworld, wrist.world, which is not really me directly. I'm just a mentor to the students that work on that. But it's a great place to go to see kind of a fun uh, avenue that kids have taken to create product. So, Wasn't that an awesome interview? What was something that stuck out to you during the interview? Something that stuck out to me and I found really important is to try new things. Because even if it doesn't work out for you, you'll at least know that you've tried it. And maybe something else, you'd rather do that. My answer is the same because... If you don't know what your passion is, hopefully you'll find out with doing a multitude of things. More opportunities equals more opportunities. Yeah. So next week, we'll be back with two new business owners that will hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to grow your idea or business. Also, remember to find us on our new profile, the Biz Buddha Podcast on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. We must send another huge thank you to the Norman Chamber of Commerce, First United Bank, the Cleveland County Fairgrounds, and Loveworks Leadership for believing in our youngest entrepreneurs. And remember, real leaders don't blend in. They stand out. Dream big. And do your dreams. Christian Vasquez is a young entrepreneur who started his business Five Arrows Garden Creations at the age of 11. His first creation was of mushrooms and cow builders created out of cement. He loves to draw, so he incorporated the idea of hand-paint terracotta pots. Christian takes custom orders and has received great feedback from his customers. His creations include caterpillars, mushrooms, ladybugs, and alligators. So hello, Christian. How are you doing today? Pretty good, you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so glad you can be on the podcast today. Thank you. Me too. And we're really excited to learn more about you and your story. So what is Five Arrows Garden Creations, and when did you become serious about the business starting? Five Arrows Garden Creation is the business that I started for people who have gardens or just want an indoor pot. Um, my business became serious when I first um, participated in a young entrepreneur fair, kind of like the one I'm going to participate on July 24th. Awesome, nice. awesome. And so can you give us a little more information on like, what exactly you make? Because I'm super, I want to get like a mind picture and give the audience a mind picture of what you create. I create like cement mushrooms, just like small cement mushrooms. I can create large ones, medium ones, any size you want. I can create caterpillars using pantyholes. Um, and I have a mold that I use to make an alligator, a cement alligator. I also, uh, what else? And ladybugs too. Super, super cool. And so today, we're really hoping our youngest entrepreneurs can learn from some of the work you've done to start your business. And I know from personally, part of starting a business, there are a lot of challenges. And so could you walk through some of the early challenges that you faced in starting your business and how you overcame them? Some of the early challenges when I was um, hand painting pots was finding 
um, like pots that were well-priced, not too expensive, because there's some retail stores that have the supplies, but they're just kind of over, overpriced. Mm-hmm. So I have to go snooping around other stores to just <laughs> find just well-priced pots. Yeah. So what is one of the biggest things you've learned about your business and your experiences in selling? One of the biggest things I've learned about my business, well, I want to say it's like how to communicate in a way to get your like customers to be interested in your business and like the product you're selling, just a way of communication. Yeah, and so well, like kind of going back onto that, like with talking like at a sales event, is that we lot of communication that comes into, and so what would be like your big communication tip for those sales event that pops up? Uh, kind of like keep it short, don't go long, and like listen to your customer. Don't go on boring and kind of off topic. Yeah. You can go off topic <laughs> once in a while, but just like don't, don't get drag too it out. Right? Yeah, don't, don't get too distracted. So, uh, whatever our last question is, I just want to ask you just this can be as broad as you want, as funny as you want, whatever you want, but what is your favorite, favorite part of starting your own business? Um, bonding with my siblings and my family. I get like time with them to do something all together. It's just, it gives me something to do during the summer so I'm not bored and just doing nothing and laying in bed. It just gives me something fun to do. Plus, I make a little cash off of it. (laughs) Love that, love that. Christian, thank you so much for your time. I know that we and those that listen to this will be a lot better for it. So where can we learn more about you and Five Arrows Garden Creations? I have a Facebook page, um, Five Arrows Garden Creation. That is the name. I like my business. You can look at my history, where I've been, and you can have a cu- you can ask me for a custom order, pot or cement decoration. Awesome. So you know where to find him. So that was an awesome interview, Ario. What was something that really stuck out to you? Uh, if you're talking to a customer or just pitching to them, try not to go off topic. That can be okay sometimes, but try not to bore them. Absolutely. And I love kind of on that same sales mindset of, you know, when you're talking to a customer, especially at sales events, events, and just general you don't want to keep them there for seven minutes. Like you don't want to keep on talking. Like these, you got, they got other things to do. You got to get more customers. You want to make some money there, right? And so I love that kind of mindset of yes, you can talk to them, go off topic a little bit, but don't keep them there there for like twenty minutes or something. It's not worth it unless you're like very very close friends. And so next week we will be back with two new business owners that will hopefully inspire, educate, and give you a powerful point of action to grow your idea or business. We want to send out another huge thank you to the Norman Chamber of Commerce, First United Bank, the Cleveland Fairgrounds, and Loveworks Leadership for believing in our youngest entrepreneurs. And remember, real leaders they don't blend in; they stand out. Dream big into your dream. Bye, y'all.